Hello, and welcome to Activating Sustainability, the Anthesis Podcast. My name is Chris Peterson, and I'll be your host. We're recording this on June 19th, Juneteenth here in North America, in the midst of growing awareness around the long-standing issues of systemic racism against Black people. In fact, we acknowledge that many of the injustices and social issues faced by those in the apparel supply chain are also perpetuated by systemic racism, broadly speaking. In this episode, we'll only briefly touch on racial inequities as we're in a period of listening and educating ourselves, learning from sophisticated and valuable perspectives on topics ranging from Black Lives Matter to broader diversity and awareness resources to learning about how this is relevant to the apparel supply chain. We've included links to some of those resources in the show notes, including from Remake and The New Republic, and we encourage you to also search out additional voices to learn from. With all that said, I'm really pleased to be joined today by Honor Cowan, a principal consultant and a retail sector lead here at Anthesis, and Elena Kocharovsky, a principal consultant with Anthesis Group and formerly of the Sustainable Apparel Coalition, to talk about the apparel supplier relationships in and out of the COVID crisis. Welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Chris. Morning. Great to be here. So maybe to start us off, you know, this has clearly been an incredibly challenging time, but from a apparel brand perspective, could you unpack a little bit about some of the challenges they're facing in terms of health, economic, and social impact? Yeah, it has been a truly challenging time, especially in the apparel and footwear space. First and foremost, you know, starting with the impacts of COVID earlier this year and the implications for manufacturing with factories having to shut down. And through that, having to navigate through all of the health and safety issues within the supply chain. And now we're facing the demand side challenges of no one's shopping for apparel and footwear at the moment. Everybody's staying home. And that has had profound impacts on this sector, particularly. And then bringing it full circle to current times, brands are now being kind of held accountable, rightfully so on how they are behaving and acting on the issues of social and racial justice and having to respond to that. And so we're seeing seismic shifts and changes within this industry that apparel brands and retailers are having to navigate through. We've seen sales decreases by 60 to 70% worldwide, in some cases up to 80% in certain segments. There was a survey done by BCG of 500 apparel suppliers that have reported over 86% of manufacturers have experienced order cancellations over the course of the last few months due to COVID. And that has equated in billions of dollars in losses that are hitting regions and countries that are particularly unprepared to weather economic hits like this where there are fewer kind of social and economic safety nets. Bangladesh in particular comes to mind where there's been billions of dollars of clothing that have been piled up and garment workers are getting sent home without pay. So it it is a bleak uh, and challenging time, but it is also a, a time for action. And hopefully we can chat through kind of how we can respond to all of this. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's the exciting part of this discussion is to understand what is happening, but also kind of why is it happening now? And I I think obviously there's huge seismic challenges, as you pointed out, but do you have a sense for what is putting this moment 
making this different than other supply chain issues or maybe the inequality between the brands and the suppliers? Because it certainly feels different, but I'd be curious to hear if that's what you're seeing on the front lines. Yeah, I think this feels different because it's the first time in recent history where the world is responding very quickly to a global pandemic. It's not something that we've experienced for a very, very long time, if in fact ever on this scale. And because the apparel supply chains are so decentralized and globalized, we are seeing the impact of responses from from governments, but also from companies are having huge ramifications on different parts of the world inequally. Um, but it's still all something that we're facing together. So I think that's absolutely fascinating, maybe morbidly so in some ways, to watch this unfold, um, particularly from the apparel side. And I would just add to that, that this is also a unique time in the fact that we are globally equally having to deal with this issue and having to take stock of how we are conducting business within our supply chains. And because we're all on relatively kind of equal footing in that regard, it is a profound time to pause and reflect about how our relationships within the supply chain are operating, how our business partnerships are operating and using the ramp out of this pandemic as an opportunity to build back better relationships, more resilient supply chains. And so that reflection, I think, is is critically important at this time. And are there organizations that you think are doing a really good job of that, that you look to as good, successful practice, if not best practice out there? Yeah, certainly. In the immediate sort of aftermath of everything of the initial outbreak, we certainly saw several brands and retailers responding by manipulating, changing their supply chains to provide uh, personal protective equipment, PPE, to the medical workers and most vulnerable parts of our communities globally. And that was really impressive to see how quickly those supply chains could pivot. And that is certainly a a benefit of having the just-in-time manufacturing cycle that we've moved to over the last few decades. So that has been really great. We've also seen small innovative solutions come to market. So one that comes to mind is the Lost Stock Box, which has sprung up in the UK, where there is an opportunity for customers to buy a box of three garments from Bangladeshi factories where orders have been cancelled so another way to support that community and a provide economic stimulus to that part of the world but b also you know raising awareness around the challenges of that community specifically and receive garments to wear and what do you see as the drivers for this i mean i've been really had a conversation previously around the investor community and how they're continuing to keep that pressure on is that what's driving the apparel behavior here or are you seeing other key drivers around that brand value, whatever that may be for them? Yeah, great question. There are a number of things coming into play in terms of what is driving brands to act. I think 
the one that comes to mind most quickly is the kind of swift and public response from consumers, the media, and NGOs that have elevated these issues into the forefront um, by sharing stories about what's happening on the ground in countries like Bangladesh um, and calling out brands, frankly, for those that are not honoring business contracts that they've committed to, but equally commending other brands that have stepped up and honored um, and paid out orders that they have uh, already put forth. And so, especially in this sector, it's just fascinating to see the, the power of consumers and media to really drive these things forward, no doubt. I would add, there's additional kind of levers of business relationships with suppliers and partnerships with suppliers rather are a much stronger foundation for sustainability moving forward. And so if you think about companies that are asking suppliers to act on sustainability just you know, over the course of the last few years, you're far more likely to have success in supplier relationships that are stable, that they know they're going to have business with you, you know, over the longer term. There's more incentive to kind of respond and act in partnership around crises like these. Whereas if you have very transactional, highly changing relationships within your supply chain, there's far less incentive to do much of anything. And then of course, risk management and exposure. I think that's an obvious one. We have just seen the immense risk and economic implications of fractures in resiliency in those supply chain relationships. And so there is a very real conversation happening within businesses about how to be more resilient in light of everything that's happened and think through your supply chain, where it's located, how it's operating, and is it prepared? There are going to be other impacts outside of pandemics that are similar to this that we need to prepare for. So those are you know, all big drivers of companies acting right now. So it's interesting to kind of hear that and think about, but are you seeing organizations that are pivoting to kind of this longer term view or are people still in that reactive phase and just those that have had this kind of legacy of relationships, long-term relationships, reaping rewards of that or minimizing their risk? Or is this an actual shift by other organizations to realizing this value? Yeah. Not only has the conversation really shifted around sustainability and long-term sustainability, knowing that the normal that we had before is not going to be the same as it was, companies are responding to that more medium long-term viewpoint in order to be sustainable themselves and to, to remain in business. So we're seeing companies, for example, thinking about buying the fabric and the yarn that is required for their final garment manufacture, really taking on some of that risk in the supply chain to ensure the manufacture of the products that they want to see in the future. We're seeing a slowdown potentially in some of the and amount of seasons in the apparel sector. So Gucci, for example, have recently announced that they're moving back to a two season year where the fall, winter, spring, summer cycle will come back into play rather than looking at the, the fast fashion world, which has up to 52 different lines a year. I mean, weekly, weekly lines coming out, which has been one of the drivers for this 
mass growth of the apparel industry. And now we're seeing, you know, serious collapse in, in certain parts of it. Elena, do you have any other examples to share? Yes, um, I would say we've also seen a commitment towards collaboration with key suppliers on cost reduction measures, which kind of show a longer term commitment partnering with supply chain partners in addressing how we come out of this time together, as well as a huge prioritization of worker health and safety. I think that needs to be mentioned as well in light of the global pandemic. So, you know, starting to focus a lot more on measures taken within facilities that are protecting garment workers, especially as we are starting to reopen economies and re restart production. So there's quite a few ways that companies are starting to address this. And there's a very active conversation about how apparel supply chains start to shift as we are coming out of this crisis. Any other thing maybe just to add on to all of this is obviously the, the challenge of switching from brick and mortar stores, particularly in the US for brands and retailers to the e-commerce side of things. So everyone's gone online, everyone's at home, no one's been, you know, left their houses for a while in, in many instances. And so that has got up presenting a whole new challenge in terms of the logistics and all of the back end of getting product through the supply chain to distribution centers. And then that last mile, as it's frequently called in the, the industry, is really the most challenging. How do you efficiently get product to individual consumers in their home? And so that's been a challenge and, and a blessing in some senses because it's still provided an ongoing revenue and income for the apparel industry. Well, it seems like such a fascinating space where just our relationship with consumerism, with going out shopping, retail therapy, kind of all of those seem to be challenged at the moment. It'll be fascinating to see where it all kind of lands going forward. So maybe, you know, one area that continually comes up, I mean, rightfully so and appropriately, everybody's focusing on kind of responding to the current crisis at the moment. But as we take a step back and think a little bigger picture, you know, how do you see climate change and social issues kind of interrelated and connected? I'm hoping that the dots are going to be joined between the two crises that we're going through. Although, you know, COVID is very much front and centre and, you know, painfully so in our lives and will continue to be in our lives for a, for a long time to come, climate change is, is actually very similar. It's a crisis that's not going to go away. It's it's being created by us in many senses. And we do have the opportunity to mitigate the impacts of it if we act soon and hard and responsibly. And so, you know, we've been able to see governments and companies respond on a dime to the COVID-19 crisis. And we've talked about some of those today. Let's continue to see that in, in relationship to the global climate change crisis. The inequalities of how it's been impacting our global community are, are very much paralleled with how COVID-19 has appeared in our world. And I'm hoping that some lessons can be learned from that. And, and it's, it is inspiring to see how that 
how we can come together and overcome a global pandemic together. Obviously, to say it's not, we're not over it yet, but there's been so much good work and response that we can we can learn from. Yeah, and I I would just add to that. There's a lot of parallels in terms of the companies that we see coming through the COVID situation more resilient. Those same practices that we've been talking about are the same exact practices that are going to set companies up for success in terms of managing climate and social issues moving forward. So strong supply chain relationships, more stable relationships within their within supply chain with a kind of partnership view of sustainability rather than a top-down approach. I also think there's going to be a huge amount of innovation that comes out of this that can both be applied to you know the challenges of the current day, but also longer term in response to climate change and other sustainability issues. So you know, making sure we're using technology in our favor to drive traceability throughout our supply chains, to understand what demand around the world is looking like more real time and being able to, you know, shift and be flexible in delivering that and not sitting on a huge amount of inventory. Those are equally important in light of a pandemic, as well as in light of a world where we need to address these huge issues of of climate change and waste as well. And so for organizations thinking about like, how do you get started? Where do you go? You know, do you have guidance or recommendations in terms of what those steps look like to kind of mitigate that risk, create those partnerships, et cetera? Yeah, absolutely. In the near term, I think, you know, it's all going to be about the financial recovery of this market and being able to pay workers for either the work that they've already done or continue to to pay them. As the orders start rolling back in, as we see more customers in stores, et cetera, et cetera. So one thing that I think can be done at the kind of brand retailer level is to research the economic stimulus packages um, and support that's available in the countries that you're sourcing from. Look into those, be able to provide support and education to your supply chain in those regions. And, and make sure that they're aware of all of the options that they've got in front of them. As a brand retailer, your hands might be tied in, in some areas, but there might be other financial mechanisms out there to support them. I would add in a very tangible resource that relates to that, which is that the ILO just came out with guidelines for garment factories on navigating the effects of COVID with themes around how to manage cash flow, reducing costs, establishing an online presence, making sure your workers are safe. So there's a lot of resources that are available that I think brands and retailers equally need to be aware of and and looking to, to be able to share uh, with their supply chain partners as well. That's great. It's amazing to think about that power procurement to kind of harness some of those you know, resources and filter those down. So that's great, great advice in the short term. Do you have advice in terms of the long term? Like how do we start to really build back better, as you were saying earlier, Elena? I think our supply chains will be working much harder and this might create a 
a good stimulus to look at the digitization of our supply chains and how data is communicated from one end to the other and back again, or, or, or where it isn't currently and, and should do. So I think there'll be a number of innovations, as Elena has mentioned, in that space. But being able to extract data from all parts of your supply chain, understanding the transparency, traceability of, of what's going on. And no knowledge is power, I think, in some senses in, in this new world, for sure. Yes. And there's been a, a big conversation around shifting towards what's called a demand driven supply chain coming out of all of this. And what that means is shifting from a world where brand and retail merchants are kind of placing big orders, we're sitting on inventory over to something much more nimble, where we are paying close attention and using analytics and technology to closely track what consumers are looking for, how those trends are shifting, and then having good partnerships with suppliers where we can place potentially initially smaller orders, but then we can follow up with kind of more frequent, regular re-ups of those orders as we respond to actual demand for those items from the consumer side. And so pausing to kind of consider your supply chain operations right now and how it might shift towards kind of that more nimble demand-driven model. I think it's just a huge opportunity right now as, as we're kind of reflecting and thinking about our processes and operations within apparel supply chains. What does that really start to look like? And working with your sourcing teams, merchant teams, in reflecting on that together with sustainability in mind. And lastly, I would say a huge opportunity is in the new supplier contract space because there are a lot of shifting supplier relationships right now. And so companies can think about how they're embedding sustainability within new supplier contracts moving forward so that we're, again, to your point, building back better as we kind of shift out of, of this uh, crisis. Fascinating. I feel like we could dig into any one of those recommendations and guidance points for extended beverages, if you will. But I know we're coming up on time. So any final thoughts or comments from either of you? Supply chains are made up of relationships. That's, that's what is created through linking together different businesses and different business models. And the way that we treat and interact with people in our supply chains ultimately will determine the success or failure of those supply chains over time. And especially in when it's challenged by global pandemics or racial injustice issues. And for me, the, the fundamental underlying principle of a good relationship is communication. Not all decisions are going to benefit everyone at every time, but with clear communication and honest communication about what's happening and where support can or should be provided, I think will go a long way and I will continue to strengthen those supply chains over time. Awesome. Well, great. Thank you both very much. Really appreciate it. Um, for more information or to reach out to Honor and Elena, they can be reached by honor.cowan or elena.kotorovsky at anthesisgroup.com. 
We'll put both the emails and a link to the Anthesis Apparel page up in the description to access. Thank you again for joining. Thank you very much for listening. Stay engaged, stay safe, and keep well. Thanks, Chris. Thank you.